you are loved. You are seen and you are accepted. And I'm sorry that the church doesn't always show that. Well, welcome to this episode of Raising Standards. And today, as a treat, we have Kay Morgan Gurr. And I'm going to let, let her tell a little bit about herself. Um, so we're going to be diving into all things to do with children with additional needs, uh, their place in the church, their place in the family, and how they can connect with God. So welcome, Kay. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for asking me to come. Before we dive into this whole topic, uh, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background? I'll start with the recent history and the fact that I'm the co-founder of the Additional Needs Alliance, working with Mark Arnold from yeah. Urban Saints, um, and do all sorts of different things with lots of different people. Um, I'm also on the Evangelical Alliance Council, which I love doing, speaking out for anybody with a disability or additional need. And yeah, it's just one of those jobs. It's a bit like a platypus. There are so many different parts to it. You can't actually put it into a sensible order. So if there are people who are listening and they go, I need more of what this lady has, the starting point is going to be the Additional Needs Alliance, I, I suspect, for many of the people um, who are listening. Or the, the ponderingplatypus.com. Brilliant. So all those links we'll put into the description for yes. this. Um, now, I, I think additional needs has become a, a kind of increasingly aware topic. I, I think when you and I both started children's ministry, it was very much, uh, what should we do with them? Or oh, a child with extra needs has come. Panic! <laughs> and <laughs> we moved a long way from that. What's our kind of expectation we should have? I mean, first of all, maybe we should define what additional needs are um, for those who are listening and going, what, what kind of children are we talking about here? Um, because it's a, it's a pretty broad definition. It is. And when I'm talking about additional needs, I have a very, very wide definition. So I'm not just talking about learning disabilities. I'm talking about physical disabilities, um, vision, hearing. Um, we generally say deaf and disabled. Uh, for lots of reasons, which I'm not going to go into right here. Um, I would also include children in the care system and also children suffering with stress, depression and any sort of mental illness. And probably even further than that, anything where someone needs extra support. Yeah. Um, what kind of support do you think we, the church, can be giving to these children and to the families, of course, to the families who are going to be carrying the main weight of this? Um, because they're, they're at home with their children. They come to church. I, I know quite a few of our friends who go to church and they're tired as a starting point. And then their children kick off in the meeting and it's, I can't even sit through a whole church service. What kind of support um, would you recommend we can offer and be thinking, what ways should we be thinking to support these families? Uh, broad picture first, I'd say um, this is not just about welcome. There's a little bit further on than that, um, what a lot of us call belonging. So you can be welcoming, but you can't be a place of belonging all the time. Actually, you can, but it just doesn't happen. <laughs> um, you know, this is missing someone, not because of behaviour, but because you're thinking, oh, I miss them. Mm -hmm. Why are they not here? Uh, and there's so many things within the church that are environmental with sound, mo movement, uh, lighting, even smells that can cause that meltdown that we can do an awful lot about. 
without using the phrase, but that will ruin it for everybody else, because actually there's probably somebody sitting there in the back of the congregation saying, oh, I'm so glad that they've changed that. I didn't have the courage to say anything. So, yeah, everybody looks at the child that has a meltdown and goes, oh, naughty. But actually, it's probably what we've put in the way in how we do church that is causing that problem. The other thing is that, you know, we, we want these kids to go into our children and youth work. But we always ask the parents to go in with them. And they're the ones that need a break. You know, they've not had time to have a quiet time all week because they're looking after a child that takes up all their time. It's a full time job. And then we take them out of church and ask them to care for their child again. So they might as well just stay at home. <laughs> so what can we do? How do, how do we begin to unpick this? I think you've kind of given the problem. And uh, I think many of us are going, yeah, that's right. But actually, we need another 30 kids leaders, let alone this child who needs extra. And uh, well, where do we, you know, we've got five children who have needs. And that means we've got to have the music quiet and the music loud. And we've got to, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. How can we begin to unpick this? What practical steps could we take? Yeah, uh, we probably need to th throw a few myths out of the window first. <laughs> There's some great myths that... Um, we have to have all the children in together. We're not being inclusive if one child isn't sitting in with every other child. Mm -hmm. Inclusion is being to a child what they need at that moment in time. Great. So if they need to be in a space where there is lack of multisensory or more multisensory, depending on the child, that is still inclusion because that's what they need at that moment in time. Um, the other problem we face is not just lack of volunteers, it's also lack of space. Yeah. You know, if we've got the one child that needs a time out and you're meeting in the vestry, <laughs> what do you do? And I know all of these. I have been that week by week Sunday school leader. I know what the problems are. Um, here's two things. First thing is getting those people that are volunteers I don't know whether you've ever heard this conversation of trying to get a volunteer just with any children's worker. Yeah. You know, we say what the problem is first, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> We've got all these kids and we don't know what to do with them. Can you just come in? Yeah. Rather than actually giving a vision for why we want them. But it's even worse with additional needs. And I've heard this said where somebody has gone up to somebody and gone, we've got this kid is disrupting all of the others. Can you come and sit on him while we teach the other children? You know, is that a vision and a plan? <laughs> <laughs> no, can I put in? No, it's not. <laughs> but but it does it does put into words the kind of frustration of the situation. And I, I think in many ways, defining the, the challenges we face in this is easy. It's working towards those solutions, isn't it? So yeah. being vision focused, what, what how would you say it to somebody? What kind of words would you use? I would name the child to start with because, you know, they have a name. They're not their condition. They're not their label. So uh, I'm, I'm making this up at the moment. OK, yeah. this is not a particular child I'm thinking of. So um, Ben has started coming to church and we are delighted and we want to make him feel as comfortable and as welcome as possible. Now, he's a great kid. He likes everything that's the colour blue. He likes a glass of milk rather than squash which we can do. That's not a problem. His favourite biscuits are those ones with cows on the front. And you'll probably recognise him as the one that comes in, grabs the biscuit, 
goes outside, runs around the church six times, comes in and has a glass of milk. That's Ben. Uh We want him to meet Jesus. We want him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We want him to know everything that God wants for him, both now and in the future. And we would love you to come and help us with that. That might mean just sitting with him sometimes and playing with the train. It might mean just saying, what did you think of the story today? You know, because we might not need you to teach just to be that person with him. So, you know, in saying all of that, what we're saying is, you know, don't be scared of this. This is a child that loves things like any other child. And when they've said, yeah, I might be interested, I say, okay, well, the parents have given us all of this stuff Mm. because parents are the experts in any child with additional needs of any sort. Um, And we can put you with the parents and actually have a chat through what you can do to make them more comfortable and what to do if he has any problems. So we're actually coming up with the vision first. And usually I've actually asked the parents what their vision for their child is. Nice. So I can put that into the statement too. Um, And then we head off into the, these are the things that you might face. So I'm not saying these are the problems, but you may face these issues. Yeah. So we're actually, we're not trying to say, It's a world of rainbows and unicorns and you'll be absolutely fine. But you may face this, but we have things in place to help you. Yeah. So it's very solution focused rather than problem focused. And one of the first things you've said is the parents are the experts. And I I think this is true with every child. We we should champion that. It's kind of in the face of where the world is headed in some ways, which is there's one size fits all. Um, but actually, the, the parents really are the experts for us to sit and talk and hear what do you want for them? What are their unique needs? How can we best support them? What happens if they begin to do this, look restless, have a meltdown, what, whatever? The parents will answer all those things for us and then to be very vision focused. One of the things you mentioned there was we want, was it Ben? We want Ben the, um, to meet the Holy Spirit and encounter Jesus. And I'm, I'm just imagining some people going, yeah, that would be great. We're still wanting that for our older children, for our other children in the room. And really, how much could a child meet with God if they've got all these complex needs? We don't even know what their level of understanding is. Uh, maybe maybe they're nonverbal. So we even the communication side, there's that barrier going on. Really, Kay? Yes, really. I mean, um, really, really, Kay? <laughs> yep. Our problem is that we have to know everything, don't we? But we also have to know how they're connecting with God. And actually, that's none of our business. Great. The Holy Spirit's business. Love it. If if I can tell a story about a regular conversation, I'm thinking of one conversation I had out of many. Yeah. I was preaching at a church, um, asked to preach and then talk about the work that I do. It's a supporting church. Somebody came up to me and, you know, you're going to get this question by the look of the person that's coming towards you. So, you know, they're looking around them like this as they walk towards you and then sit down and look around again as if I don't want anybody else to hear this question. And this gentleman said, you know, those people you work with, can they really, um, you know, become Christians he didn't even know how to word it. Yeah. And, you know, 
yes, I get a bit ratty when I get asked that question, but um, I swallow hard, ask the Holy Spirit to help me and then give an answer. And usually it's something along the lines of, you know. Okay, Jesus, I'm interrupting just for a moment. Sorry. Yeah. You get ratty because people these are not second rate human beings. Yeah. These are human beings made in the image of God. And, and if uh, they're made in the image of God, they can connect with God. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just I'm just kind of pulling it apart a bit more. Like, Did you get ratty? Why does she have a a, a kind of character flaw? Is this like, oh, what's going yeah. on here? But it's actually it, this is about a framework of who these children are. They're yeah. not substandard, second rate, or any. And I, th- I think we may subconsciously, we, no one would ever vocalize it in that way. But that very question you're raising is stating exactly that. Okay, yes. so what, what, what happened yeah. next? Um. I usually go into a conversation along the lines of Jesus is just as powerful. God is just as big and the Holy Spirit just as effective. And the work done on the cross by Jesus is just as redemptive. There is no difference. The difference is what we view. So they're not going to do the prayer. Well, actually, some will, because, you know, this is a wide uh, diversity. So some of them will not say, you know, I follow Jesus because points one, two, three, four and five. Some of them will not do something that makes you go, oh, yes, don't they love Jesus? Does it matter? As long as we are being faithful in trying to teach in a way that can be understood, Mm -hmm. does it matter if we don't see it? We Mm -hmm. may catch glimpses of it and it is wonderful to catch those glimpses into what the Holy Spirit is doing but you have to be in line with the Holy Spirit yourself to catch those glimpses does that make sense yeah yeah so it's trusting God's got the bigger picture absolutely we've got to be faithful doing our part but uh, can we unpack a little bit more we we kind of (laughs) I paused you about it earlier the, the whole idea of their spiritual capacity um, I, I think anyone who works with children, we have this discussion. If you work with under fives, can they really meet with God? What's their level of understanding? And you know, often children age eight, nine, I'll have someone who has never worked with children will come and say, but can they understand enough for salvation? And I'm like, well, do you understand everything about salvation yourself? Because I'm still learning about the work of the cross. So I, th- I think we maybe we understand that graded and graduated approach. Um, but I can picture some people thinking, well, this child doesn't even have knowledge of sin. Where does God fit in? Can you kind of open some theology on all of this for us and, uh, <laughs> and give us some deeper understanding? I, once we get that, it helps frame what we're going to do, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, there are so many areas I would want to comment on this. So I'm trying to figure out where to go with it. Um, <clears throat> I'll tell a couple of stories yeah. which, which might help. Um I remember working with a church for their church weekend a number of years ago now, and they hadn't told me that I was going to have a young man with Asperger's. You know, that's what they called it in those days. I know it's different now. And he came in immediately with that. I don't like God. He made me with Asperger's. I'm only here because my parents have dumped me here. He's 10, 11 years old. And, you know, he joined in. He was a pleasant enough young chap, you know, had a thing about cars. So every time you met him, even if he sat with you for lunch, you heard about different types of cars. And that was wonderful. 
it was better for Steve because he could actually answer. And I know nothing about cars other than I drive one. <laughs> um, and then one day we follow our teaching um, always with some sort of prayer activity because it's quite an accessible way of teaching for mm -hmm. many children. And on this day, we just got them to be listening to music. We just recapped what we taught and then said, write or draw anything you want to do, even if it's a scribble, whatever, if you think God is saying something to you. But if God's not saying something now, that is fine. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you. He just is holding it for later. And that is absolutely fine. So just draw as a lovely picture or whatever. Um, of course, he started drawing a car. <laughs> so I started chatting to him about his car and he put a number plate on it. And you know those moments where you think God's going, note that number plate. Yeah. And I'm going, no, surely not. And if I've got this wrong, you're to blame, God. <laughs> but he's pushing you to actually look at that. And I said, that looks like a verse from the Bible. Wow. Psalm 139, huh. which is talking about being, you know, God knows your inmost being and yeah. that sort of thing. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Yep. Um, we read it. And this child, <laughs> just his face lit up and he said, you mean God gets my brain? Wow. And yeah. the first thing he did, it was like a whirlwind slamming into his parents as they came to collect him going, God gets my brain. Have you ever read Psalm 139? Wow. You know, people would look at a kid that has been diagnosed um, as neurodivergent, to use the common phrasing now. Hmm. You know, people say he can't get it. And he got it full blast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he understood exactly. And he's grown on from that. Mm. Um, going back years and years and years, and this was part of my call into the ministry I do now. Um, I, I knew this girl from 14. Cerebral palsy. Couldn't speak. Could just about control one foot. Uh, and that was about it. She actually communicated by nose spelling in the air. Now, this yeah. is interesting because I'm dyslexic and I'm reading letters backwards. So maybe I was the best one because being dyslexic, I see them everything the wrong way around anyway. <laughs> so as I'd got older, I'd done my nursing, trained as a nurse, came back to the camp and I was still looking after JT, which was wonderful. We're the same age. And she just said, I think I want to become a Christian. You know, bearing in mind that I'm about 22 here and I've known her since she was 14. And finally, she's saying, I think I want to be a Christian. Wow. Going through a book with her, because that was the way we did it in those days. We had yeah. a book <laughs> and asking the question. She got some really deep theological questions about God and suffering. Mm. <laughs> so we're going through all of that. Yeah. Over two hours later. So, JT, do you still want to be a Christian? Yeah. And her way of talking with a shout. Yeah. And so we did the prayer. And in that moment, I saw her face change. Wow. You know, she was a right belligerent teenager. <laughs> <laughs> so to see her face change and then going into the different meetings and her version of shouting amen, mm. which was just a yell. 
because she was agreeing with what was going on yeah, to join yeah. in with the worship. We just put a tambourine on the one foot she could use. <laughs> worship leaders hated it. But yeah, people say to me, can she know Jesus? And I just want to say, can I introduce you to JT? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so they can see it. And the power of her testimony is why I sit here today doing the ministry I do. Wow. Because wow. I learned from her. Hmm. So it is possible. Yeah. JT couldn't say to you because she's nonverbal. I love Jesus. She can make a lot of groaning noises, wave her arms in the air and choke on communion, which a lot of people didn't like me getting her to take communion because of that. Yeah. But, you know, she's struggled with swallowing. This girl shone out Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Like the young lad with the cars shone out Jesus. Yeah. And they have additional needs. Yeah. So I've got that. Theologically, can I explain it? Um, as I look through scripture, what I can see is not, can you name these five things? What I see is God inviting and someone responding. Mm. We can't understand the level of that response. It may be Jesus loves me. I love him. That might be the base level of understanding. Does that stop them going to heaven? I don't think so. Um, having been a children's nurse, I, I worked with a lot of life limited children. Mm. A lot of children in my care have died. Mm. They could not respond vocally. Do I believe God is a God of mercy? Yes, I do. And one of the things I was allowed to do in those days with parents permission, you can't do it now, um, was actually tell stories of Jesus whilst I was feeding them or just holding them or anything like that mm. and praying over them. Did that make a difference in their lives? Well, yes, I think it did. Yeah. I drew the line at singing over them. <laughs> <laughs> Not for theological reasons, but for the sake of other people in the room, was it? Um, yeah. I mean, yes, I can sing, but... <laughs> It's a bit too much in a hospital ward where you've okay. got 40 children. <laughs> yeah. So these children, they've got a capacity for God and the Lord knows them. He knows them inside out. He knows their capacity. Um, I'm, I'm reminded of the verse that says that the Lord's senses never returns to his word, never returns to him in void, but always accomplishes the task for which it was sent. And I'm, yeah. as I'm hearing you speak, I'm just thinking well, sometimes we will put out the word and there'll be a clear response and other times we won't know, but we've done what God's asked us to do. And he will do yeah. what his part is in it, which is, you know, we're not God. <laughs> our, our job is not to save people. Our God is to present the Lord to people and allow them to connect with him. Yeah. And I, I, I want to kind of delve a little bit more into the kind of atmosphere. Uh, I don't know if we're going into a strange place with this. And you can tell me off if we are. <laughs> uh, but I, l let me say, I've noticed... Um, I'll give an example. We have some people who bring their children to some of our events and they go, oh, oh they don't settle anywhere. They, you know, come and get us when they need us and all this kind of thing. Yeah. They come in and then the parents come to collect them at the end and go, they've never done that anywhere. They've never, whoa, what, what is it different about this place? And I, I put it down to the spirit of God being in the room that 
they feel more at peace, they delight in his presence. Are you, have you seen that? Is it just me being a bit strange no. on this one? Or is there something about us inviting the, the presence of the spirit to be there that allows these children to just be in his presence? Mm. Yeah, for a number of years, I ran with kids at Spring Harvest. So yeah. five to seven year olds always had a lot of kids with additional needs. I think we just grew them because people knew what I did. Yeah. <laughs> so we had lots of kids with additional needs. And you knew when the spirit was beginning to move mm. because those children who were neurodiverse or neurodivergent sometimes got unsettled, often in a good way. Mm. But sometimes in that something's happening and I don't understand. But because we're working with five to seven year olds, we're very clear in what we do. Yeah. We're never pressurized in what we do. It's always a choice, you know. Yeah. This is what God says. This is what God is inviting. You can either do this or you can do that. Because I don't want kids to respond prematurely. Yeah. So, but I found that the kids with additional needs were the ones that were there up front going, yeah, I want this. Had the privilege of having one young lad um, come into the prayer tent during that time where we're allowing children to respond. And normally I didn't pray, pray for the kids because I was the lady on stage and I didn't want them to do this because I'm the lady on stage yeah we always made it so it was we want to make sure and he came up found me out and just said God made me wrong he'd just been diagnosed with autism and he said God made me wrong and I don't know what to do with it and I remember sitting down and talking with him and I said do you think God God loves you Yes, I think God loves you, but why did he make me wrong? And I'm not going to go into the full conversation because that's between me, him and God. Mm. Um, he's now in his early 20s and going on with God. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that atmosphere was part of it because we kept it low key. We kept it calm. We never use bright lights. We never use loud music. There is music, but it's never loud and I always banned anything smelly in the venue <laughs> um, because that kicks kids off quite easily any child if they're tired and stressed and if you're at spring harvest you're tired and stressed yeah you never get enough sleep there <laughs> so we just take any stress factors out mm. and the holy spirit still moves mm. oh, it's um, yeah and we've had so many parents with the people that are now leading any of the children's worship the children's programs at Spring Harvest, we actually find a lot of parents go back in tears saying this is the first time they've lasted at anything for this length of time. Wow. And wow. if you ask them if they went to the Bible study as a result and they said, well, no, because we were expecting them to get upset and we'd have to leave the Bible reading and go in. Yeah. And then they burst into tears and said, we had a cup of coffee together. Mm. It's the first time they've had that, yeah. you know, in, in the whole of the child's life. So, yeah, I think there is something with the Holy Spirit within the program that can quite often settle a child. But I will clarify that with sometimes it's what we're looking for. 
Um, so we would look at a child that's spinning on the floor and say, the Holy Spirit's not there, they're not listening. So we actually take that as them not being settled, whereas actually it's their way of levelling their emotions so they can be listening. Mm. So sometimes what we're looking for is out of kilter with where the child is. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And how would you manage that? Because it's, I mean, first of all, I think it's amazing what you've just shared because Spring Harvest is not 10 children in a room. I mean, if you're looking, if, if you're looking for a kind of non-overstimulating setting, just having that many children in a room, you're in a place where you've already, you're already struggling up against it before you've even played a note, said a word through a microphone or any of that. So hundred and one. Yeah, just acknowledging <laughs> what the Lord is doing in that moment. Um, but uh, can I just take with that example you've given a child spinning around on the floor? We may know that's fine for them. We're also where there's 30 other children who are kind of staring at the child spinning around on the floor and not engaging with everything else because of this child. How would you deal with that? How would you manage that? And because uh, I, I, with this, I guess I'm going right to the heart of that sometimes there is a tension between the needs of that individual child and the needs of the wider group, and we want both to be met and fulfilled. Mm. Um, every situation is different. Yeah. Um, in the settings I work, what I tend to do with parents' permission is say, if I have other children sort of saying, but he is, do I have your permission? And if, if I can ask the child and they can give me consent, I will ask them as well. Is it okay for me to say something along the lines of, so for our children that are autistic, I'll, I'll say, can I tell them it's just a case of how their brain works? So your brain works that way. My brain works this way. Their brain works this way. Hmm. And sometimes with the way his brain works, spinning is better. Sometimes they'll just have a fiddle toy that they're fiddling with. I've got a whole pile of them here, actually, from a talk I did last week. <laughs> so they might have a fiddle toy. They might want to flap a little bit. But these are the things that help them to understand, help them to settle and help them to feel less anxious. Hmm. So I'm letting him do that so that he can feel comfortable. You know, what makes you feel comfortable in a room? A biscuit and a squash, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Listening to music. So just explaining that sort of it, neurodivergence is just how the brain responds to things, how you respond to people, how you talk to people, how you understand the world around you. So it's just, you know, whichever way fits to explain it in that way. We did that on one of our church camps where, you know, we've had a few children on the autistic spectrum that um, were struggling to fit in. And one of the kids just said, he's just odd. So I said, well, he's different. He's not odd, but difference not wrong, is it? Yeah, and then you, I know that that child loves football and I don't like football with a passion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I say, we're different. You like football, I don't like football. He's different. I say his brain just works different to yours. And I didn't go into much more than that. And he just went, oh, all right. 
And then they're, in, they're including him in things because suddenly they realised that his brain worked in a different way. And they were helping him to learn how to throw a ball into a hoop. And cheering with him when he managed it, I'm sure. Yes, absolutely. It's community success now taking place, you know, in a way that you couldn't have done that without him being there, or at least accelerated up that that togetherness. Yeah. So it's that we shouldn't be afraid to try and explain in words that children can understand. And I've actually found that children that spin on the floor are listening better than the ones that are sitting there with their arms folded. Yeah. And staring at you. They're daydreaming. They're not listening. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people don't believe me with that. The fidgeting child is listening. No, we've we found that very early on as well. <laughs> and a child repeat back to us almost word for word every yes. trial that Paul had went through that I'd kind of skipped over about three days earlier in a Bible study and to land on the bit we wanted to talk about. And I mentioned Paul three days later and he goes, oh, he's the guy who was shipwrecked this many times. I was like, you were the one rolling around on the floor the whole time. Okay, yeah. you got it. <laughs> yeah, I've had <laughs> one of those. Anything from that day. No? <laughs> well, he's now my favourite. <laughs> so don't hide it. Don't don't try and shove the children, child out of the room. And Obviously, there are times when that is the right thing to do for that child and for the group. But as much as possible, don't, don't hide it. Don't ignore it. Don't just but bring it out into the open. Talk about it with the kids. Yeah, I want any child with any form of disability or additional need not to be ashamed. They should not be ashamed of how God has made them, of who they are. If they think differently, fabulous. Actually, sometimes I get better ideas from people who think differently. Um, Yeah, yeah, I'm a wheelchair user. And people look at me as if I was just so sad what a tragedy and I'm going no this is wonderful I can wear high heels and not fall over (laughs) yeah different is not bad different is good and I don't want anybody to be ashamed of their disability additional need or difference beautiful and that's what all you're talking about is building that supportive environment for them but as you've been talking about this you've also um, kind of slipped in along the way, I noticed very, very cleverly, if you, I may say so, okay, you've slipped in that it's not just what these children need, but actually there's something these children are giving and adding to the community. And this, I, I'm guessing, will be more of a mind shift for some people, but that it's not just they have inherent value because they're made in God's image, but actually as part of the body of Christ, there's something in them that if we don't have, we will be lacking as a body. Yes. Do you, do you want to kind of unpack that, look at it from different angles? I'm, I'm just saying, because you, you've hinted at it from the child who, oh, we'll help them shoot hoops to the children who began to move differently when the Holy Spirit was about to come and do something. They anticipated the change that was taking place. Um, I'm just taking those two examples. But do you want to unpack that some more? Yeah, I- Again, we're we're struggling against labels, so people might not spot it. So everybody goes, oh, no, they've got ADHD. They're going to be a wriggle bum. They're going to be all over the place, blah, 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 blah. But did you know one of the greatest gifts of many children with ADHD is their caring nature? Hmm. On various camps I've run, if I've wanted a buddy for a child that is struggling to settle, I'll always go for the kid with ADHD to be that buddy. 
they are superb. They end up getting into trouble together and that is absolutely fine. It means the other kids settled in. <laughs> and we can work with that because kids will be kids. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're not a perfect entity like I'm not a perfect entity. So, yeah, when you actually think that many of these kids have empathy oozing out of their body, mm. regardless of whether they have an additional need or not, there's another myth that needs shooting out of the water is that kids with uh, neurodivergence, autism, anything within that neurodivergent group, which includes ADHD, by the way, um, children with autism, they will, people will say that they have no empathy, you know, that people are objects, people are this, people are that. Actually, sometimes it can come across like that because we're not looking. What is happening is the empathy is so great, it hurts. It physically hurts children that are on the autistic spectrum. So they may shut down and not talk about it because it just hurts. Wow. But the empathy is there and we need to be working with that. We need to assume empathy, not assume no empathy. Mm. So when people don't actually talk about children working with and for Jesus, they're not taking those things into consideration with additional needs. They're just missed out. Mm. You know, we don't mentor them. We don't teach them beyond Noah's Ark. Why? But a while ago, I, I told a story about one of the mums that I'd actually said, what is your vision for your child? Mm. And usually a lot of people will say, we want them to be a Christian. Yeah, that's high on the list. Some will say, we want them to be invited to a party because they're so lonely and nobody invites them to anybody, to anything. This mum said, I want him to serve other children. Wow. I want him to know that he can do things for other people because everybody assumes he can't. She said, wow. he never gets chosen to give out the biscuits or the orange juice. You know, in my mind, I'm thinking, I know why they don't choose him to do that, because you offer him a plate of biscuits, they're all his. But there's a way of doing it. You know, you put one biscuit on the plate and say that is for and name another child and he'll take it to that child. So it meant starting to actually take another 10 minutes to give out the drinks and <laughs> and everything. But he was included. He was allowed to serve the other kids because she knew as he grew up. He needed to know that God valued him yeah. and he could serve God as well in every single way and there's so many ways that we can actually encourage kids in service including those with additional needs can you give us a couple of tips to send us in that direction a couple of a couple of ways i mean you've given us the biscuits the biscuit tip <laughs> and obviously it's going to be different for different children where we're accepting every child their capacity is going to be different um some you may trust to do something simple and others you don't let anywhere near the yeah. you know, water whatever it is because you know it will end up being thrown around the room <laughs> and so on but a bit, I, I guess it's I'm looking for principles that we yeah. we can look at and go what kinds of the service would be one that they're serving others in some way right there's things like praying um I know you know it's a bit much asking children to pray 
I like being prayed for by children. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, you know, what do we do? We sort of say pray for this. We say pray for that. Mm. Now, your child with additional needs needs to be more engaged. So do we, if we're playing for, praying for the police force, do we need to do a visit to the police station? Mm. So there is something to actually grab hold of on that. And then asking, interviewing a policeman. If you can't go to the police station, ask one of the policemen to come to you so the kids can ask lots of questions and then pray for them. Because that gives lots of things that any child can do, especially if you turn that into a prayer activity afterwards, something where a child can hold something, do something that doesn't require speaking or writing. It means that that child will probably go back with that. And if they take the object back, wherever they put it, they're going to remember to pray for the police force. Mm. So we've got the prayer bit. Um, the way I learnt what I could do was through two people. One was my mum. My mum baked lots of apple pies. She made great apple pies. Every time someone was in hospital, she would go and see them. She wouldn't stay because she just said they don't want people around. Um, she would pick up their ironing and take them an apple pie and a swap and then take the ironing back a couple of days later. She always took me with her. So I remember as a two year old in a pushchair being pushed, holding the apple pie safely on my lap. That was very trusting of my mum. <laughs> <laughs> well, we went to visit a lady that had um, actually had a nervous breakdown. Mm. So I was learning about mental health as a two year old because my mum just talked it through with me. And then we gave the husband the apple pie. We picked up the ironing. And then I would watch, watch with mother while mum was actually ironing the clothes of this family. And it sort of opens up conversations of why are you doing that? Now, mum was never, she never said that much, but I knew from the little bit she did say that this was, you know, she couldn't preach a sermon she couldn't do anything like that, but she could iron. She was a good ironer and she was good at baking. How can she bless other people? And I've learned actually sometimes we don't have to be brilliant at something. Um, I'm no baker, so I don't make the apple pies and I can't iron now because of my disability. But there are other things that I can do. So I actually knit people things. So sometimes when I've been talking to the kids about what can you do to bless somebody else, I've taken my knitting in and I've sat there and knitted whilst I've been talking to them and said, actually, this is going to our local food bank who also do clothes for refugees, babies, because they come in with nothing. Mm. So they're learning because somebody's doing it in front of them. And I think that's the key thing, that they're looking to us. We're giving them examples we're getting to know them and what their gifts are and then walking alongside them, not doing it for them, but walking alongside them and facilitating them. That is exactly the same for any child with additional needs. Yeah, I was going to say, I was listening to you going, actually, everything you're saying here is for every child. This <laughs> works. But I think when it comes to children with additional needs, our thoughts and minds is this is going to take longer. Yes. It's like giving out one biscuit at a time instead of a whole plateful. Um, this is going to take more effort. But the way you're phrasing it here just made me think this is not about getting a job done. This is about raising a generation. Yeah. This is not about I've got these tasks to finish. 
but the task is to bring something of God to our children. And if that takes a little bit longer for this one, it's worth it. It's worth it. If it's the effort of bringing in a policeman or if you can't find one of them, someone in a policeman's costume, there's <laughs> there are <different laughs> levels of this. But all the children will love that, not just those yeah. who um, wouldn't cope with the now we're going to pray for the police. Here's a picture. All children would love that extra little extra mile that we're going along the way. It's worth mm -hmm. it for all, but especially for these children who we're talking about today. And I, I, I'm going to kind of delve into maybe the murkier water. You've mentioned a couple of myths along the way. Um, we've talked, we must speak with parents. We've said they're the experts and they will help us and guide us. We've talked about helping to raise up volunteers. We've talked about making space for the children to be themselves and designing things that will help them to engage and expecting um, that they're going to bring something back into this. But I, I think there are layers and layers of um, hurt and rejection that many children and families go through. And I'm talking about not in the world, in the church setting where we've said or done things and put our foot in it along the way. Can you openly tell us some of the, the top 10 worst? I'm not asking for 10, but you know what I mean? The kind of whatever you do, even if you can't find one-on-one -on -one help for that person, just don't say these things or, or think ways that we're well-meaning, but end up causing more damage than we realize. Mm. And that person is still processing it five, 10 years later when we've forgotten those careless words that we spoke along the way. Yeah, I have a few of those personally, having been diagnosed with the disability I now have when I was 19. Mm. Um, and I see them being repeated to the families that I, I, I care for. Um, quite often people will misquote the Bible a lot. You know, God won't give you more than you can handle. A direct misquote. And a lot of families feel as if they have more than they can handle. Yeah. So to some, for someone to dismiss it with a Bible verse is not helpful. Mm. A lot of families get, um, God must think you're really special to give you a child like that. Mm. I don't think that's got anything to do with it. <laughs> um, it's nothing to do with whether the mum or dad is special or whether the child is special, whatever. And actually the word special is not liked by many disabled people anyway. <laughs> um, but often the child can hear those things like that and automatically it's feeding in to the child that they're wrong, they're not acceptable. And it does actually make them hate God. I know that sounds very strong, but I've just come across it many, many times. Yeah. The one so instead, that instead of so those are kind of loading on, oh you're an, you're a kind of super mum because of this when, when they yeah. haven't asked for this, um, yeah. and there may be many of them are doing amazing and holding it together, yeah. and others are falling apart at the seams. But it's a well-meaning comment. What what could we say instead that would bring the because the heart of it is we want to encourage and support. Yeah, it's just the footed mouth syndrome has stepped in. Yeah, asking how things are going. And then saying, if you get a nice response, just go, is that the church response or is that how you really feel? You know, just dig gently. You know, is there more? What can we do? Yeah. Is there anything we can do? Uh, what do you need prayer for? Now, when somebody asks what do you need prayer for, do not offer prayer of healing. 
I believe in healing, but don't offer it. Because at that point, many of these parents are struggling between, do I accept my child for who they are? And does asking people to pray for healing or me praying for healing actually diminishing my child? It's one of those things that's very hard to deal with as a parent who's a Christian. I was going to actually ask you specifically about this whole area. Uh, those of us who believe in divine healing and who've seen God heal, yeah, desire is for that. And I know many parents who are believing God for their children to be brought into a place of yeah. more wholeness. But at the same time, they're not there now. They prayed. And every prayer becomes painful at times yeah. because it's not a reminder Absolutely. of God's faithfulness and healing. It's a reminder that their child still hasn't yet been healed. And mm. all you're talking, everything you're saying that. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. Well, we're going into it now. I feel we should carry on with it in that direction and then we'll take a couple of the don't do these afterwards as well. Yeah. OK. Um, I, I've written quite extensively on the, the, the healing subject. Um, I am not healed. I use a wheelchair. I'm visually impaired. Plus a few other things along the way. Um, one year when I was working at Spring Harvest, I'm their disability and additional needs advisor. Um, a lady that had just been diagnosed with something came along in her wheelchair and she said, I'm struggling with coping with this. And we, we talked it through and she said, actually, could you pray for my healing? And I said, yes, can do that. So there we were, wheel to wheel. <laughs> and I prayed for her. And she felt something at the time. I saw her about two months later at a conference and she ran up to me in my wheelchair <laughs> and said, your prayer was the start of a recovery. Yeah. And now I'm completely recovered. And yeah, th there is that moment of where you look up to heaven and back down to my wheelchair and go, <laughs> I believe in healing. Yeah, uh, yeah. As a baby, I was actually healed of quite a major condition. Um, I didn't know that at the time. My mum told a story of someone holding me because I'm adopted, by the way. Um, the adoption had been stalled because they felt I'd got a condition of some sort. When I found my birth family many years later, I found out what my sister has. And I should have had it, but I was healed. So I know healing and I've talked to God about my healing. And he just says, for this moment, you show my grace more in your your weakness, which is fine. So I carry on and I delight in my identity in Christ. <laughs> so <laughs> in a wheelchair. Um, but the thing is, I can go into London, into Birmingham, travel wherever and I will always be accosted by someone who doesn't know me that will see my obvious disability and go, can I pray for your healing? They don't know I'm a Christian. And I quite often say no. And they're really surprised. Now, there's quite a few Christian conferences I go to. Some of them I'm an advisor. Some of them it's just for my refreshment. And I will get people come up to me sometimes three or four times a day wanting to heal me can I pray for your legs and I go no why not isn't this is what God wants for you how do you know that well it's 
what God wants for you. And when they ask for, for more information as to why I want to say no, I'll say, if you'd have come and actually said the part of my body that was hurting the most today, and on that day it was actually my arm, mm. I would have said yes, because that's the Holy Spirit. He's prompting you. To say pray for your legs because I'm in a wheelchair says that you're not listening to the Holy Spirit. And, yeah, they'll go off. They'll have that constipated look of praying from afar, <laughs> you know. Um, so I know they're still praying for me, and that's fine. Terminology. So there's healing and there's curing. So I'm healed of many things that have happened in my background. As I said, I'm adopted. There's a lot of back history to that. I'm healed. Am I cured? No, not yet. Um, we have to bear in mind that there's a lot of people with a theology that says if they are disabled, they will still be disabled in heaven. Mm. Um, I keep looking at that one and I can't get my head around it because a large part of my condition gives a lot of pain. Um, I'd want my money back if I went into heaven and I was still with this condition. <laughs> you know, but the Bible says that there won't be any more crying, there won't be any more pain. Yeah. So I will be healed in heaven. Uh, and it's a difficult one to actually work through. Um, but with the, the healing thing, a lot of people who are disabled, including children with additional needs and their parents, their first point of contact is the healing ninja. So that person that runs up to them and says, can I pray for? And then they get all hurt and confused and then accusing when people say no. Mm. You only have to look at Twitter, disabled Twitter, and see what people are saying. Our only outreach tool to people and children and, you know, across the whole gamut, the only outreach tool we seem to have at the moment is offering healing. Why is that? There's better ways. Because what it's actually telling people is, I am not welcome in a church unless I'm fixed. God only wants the healed. He doesn't want me because I'm imperfect. That's what we're telling people. Mm -hmm. We need a better language. We need a better way. And if we're reaching out to people, healing should not be the first point of contact unless you are absolutely sure what God is telling you. And then there's ways of approaching people that are better than what happens now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, heart is, the heart is right, but the actions need to be right too. Otherwise, yes. we end up causing more damage. And I, I, I think um, uh, the, we, we could probably talk about this particular area, not just the healing, <laughs> but the kind of way, ways people put their foot in it for the next 16 hours. But I'm aware we're running out of time. Um, so is there a couple more myths that you would like to go into or a couple more um, ways that things we should avoid um, to make sure that we're not putting our foot in it unintentionally? Uh, Mark, my colleague, actually talks about uh, meerkats. So you get a child with additional needs that might make a noise or, you know, there's a lot that will make a noise. And all of a sudden you get that meerkat sit up straight and look around. And then when they find the source of the noise, they're looking disapprovingly across. Do you know how that makes a parent feel? Mm. 
it's horrible. And Mark always goes on to say, what we need is not meerkats, we need lions with a heart for kids with additional needs. You know, I joke with my colleagues about my mama bear moments. You know, if I see someone having a go at one of my colleagues and it's unfounded, that fighting spirit rises in me like a mother bear <laughs> wanting to protect. So Mark says lions, I say mama bear moment. You know, when we see that moment where a child needs support, we shouldn't be doing the meerkat. We should have that mama bear moment of I need to do something. And I need to care because quite often the um, the meerkat response is because we assume it's because the parents can't control behavior. Mm. Yeah, I'd like to put those people in a room with that child, but it wouldn't be fair on the child. Uh, but they'd soon find out that this is an environmental issue. You know, if you've had a horrible journey coming to church, you are stressed when you arrive. The way a child that is on the autistic spectrum expresses that is a very different way. So you might have snapped at the person shaking the hands because they've given you the wrong hymn book. The child will have a meltdown. Mm -hmm. Not always. Sometimes they mask it and then they have the meltdown at home when they're safe. Let's be the mama bear and sort that out. So, mm -hmm. yeah, the myth that I'm mentioning there is it's not down to children being naughty. It's what's going on around them. Yeah. I could go into that so much more. But I think that's a big one in, in the way we view the child that's in front of us. Yeah. And I, I love the way all the way through, Kay, you've been bringing up the importance of the wider family in this as well. We are here for the long haul, no matter yeah. what, no matter what happens, that community looks like this. Um, well, the same with our, our kind of natural families. We don't say, um, well, today they're being a bit awkward. I don't think I'll let them be in my family anymore. But it's, you know what, no matter what happens, no matter how you do, no matter how your SATS test goes, no matter on anything else, we're with you. We're going to walk this journey yeah. with you. No matter what the doctor says, no matter what the next hospital appointment looks like, no matter what happened three nights in a row in the last week, we're, we're going to keep with you walking this journey. You can lean on us a little bit along the way. Yeah, and a lot of it, I think, comes down to this communication, isn't it? That, yeah. uh, that we're, we're open and willing to talk and have those conversations and not shy away from them or, or give glib answers that... Um, that aren't helpful in the long run. Yeah, you just reminded me of the other myth with that. Okay, um, this is our last one. Take it away. Yeah. Um, so many churches say to families who have children with additional needs, you need to find somewhere that is um, more suitable to your needs. It's a myth that one church is more suitable than the other. Every church should be suitable in whatever way you do that. And it makes my heart break the amount of emails I get from parents saying, we've just been asked to go to another church that's more suitable. Wow. And some parents saying, this is the third time we've been asked this. Wow. Some children turned away because they are a health and safety risk. There goes another uh, myth. They're not a health and safety risk. Mm. Um, others, um, there's a child protection issue if we have them in the children's programme. That's another myth. Yes, we need to bear child protection in mind at all times, but do not use it against children. Yeah. So every child can be welcomed into any church. Please don't use the myths as an excuse to turn them away.
Beautiful, Kay. Thank you so much. You've given us, I think, oodles of food for thought. Um, I, I, can I ask you to give one message to any parents who are watching and who are feeling burnt out and nobody is getting where they're coming from? They've had maybe multiple disappointments in multiple churches and uh, maybe they've just given up and gone, I'll just love you, Jesus, and we'll get you. It's you, me and my child, Jesus. We'll do it together. And, and they've, yeah. they've reached that point. Is there any words of encouragement you'd like to share with them? There is so much that could be said, but I think you are loved. You are seen and you are accepted. And I'm sorry that the church doesn't always show that. But the way God sees you, you are loved, you are seen and you are accepted. Thank you, Ken. Perhaps you could end by just praying for all of us. As, as we do our best to not just children with additional needs, but adults with additional needs and children without additional needs and every member mm. of the community to really take our place in the body of Christ and be, become the body that is warm, accepting and everything we should be in our perfect dream in the sky when we look at the Lord and who he is. And that we can at least inch closer towards that bit by bit in each of our individual situations. Yep. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love each one of your creation, everyone, every child, every adult, every ability, every need. You love them wholeheartedly. I pray that this would be passed down to each one of us, that in our busyness, in the stress of trying to organise everything, that that would stand firm, that love, that acceptance, and the ability to hold it in tension with everything that is needed for every child and every adult. We acknowledge it's hard, but I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would be working in the hearts of all the people in our churches, that they would be challenged to help, challenged to just see, challenged to do something, that those spaces where we cannot find people to help us that suddenly there would be people there helping. I pray for each of the children that are in our churches, but I especially pray for those children that have additional needs, that you would make yourself known, that they would walk with you, that they would know the power of the cross, that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that their mission with you would go onwards that one word would be the thing that changes somebody else's heart, that they would be used by you. We pray all of these things because we know your heart for everyone in your church and outside of the church. Amen. 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 Kay, thank you so much for sharing all oh, that. So much wisdom in all that you've been saying. And I know there's going to be people who are going to want to connect with you and ask you a thousand more questions that we didn't have time to answer. But thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And uh, if you have enjoyed this conversation and you want to find out more about Kay's ministry, then do look in the description. And I know there's Facebook um, pages as well that you can connect with if you have children who have additional needs and are looking for some extra support in that way um, to connect with other people. Then do connect with them there. If you want to hear more conversations like this with amazing people, then don't forget to subscribe to our channel and we'll see you next time. God bless you. Bye.
Thank you.